thank you for being here. Father, we ask you, Lord, for you to lead the word today. Father, you've made it so special, this journey we've been taking to understand the full revelation of righteousness. Father, let us build upon it. But my prayer is today that it really ministers to people in the place that we're at with a fresh truth, building on the foundation and the firm foundation of the word of God and the faith that we already have. Be glorified, O Lord, and Holy Spirit, I yield to you. We yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I sent out an e-blast, and it said that the scepter of righteousness cuts to the quick. And uh, last week, we had a, a unique uh, time with a dear friend, David Munoz, who came through, and he was at uh, Deborah's Dance Manifest, and we're going to ask her before we're done today to just share a little bit about that. And um, he did some things prophetically. He's, he's an artist. How many of you got some of his art? How, how, how tremendous is that stuff? And you have to understand, he sees things differently than, uh, I don't want to say normal because none of us, we're all abnormal. But he sees things like an, a prophetic artist, and he's in his own mold as a prophetic artist. And he also comes from a Hispanic culture. So you blend all of that together, and he's a musician, and you get this hodgepodge of how he's ministering. And so he didn't quite say things that he was doing as he was ministering, but that he was seeing things. And one of the things that he saw that he didn't know that happened to be where I was dealing with right now uh, is the scepter of righteousness. And so he was holding up a staff. Well, a scepter is a staff or a rod. But when it comes to the scepter of righteousness of the Lord, it's, it's absolute authority. It's his absolute rod of authority and power uh, and righteousness. So that I want to deal with that a little bit. And that's why I said the scepter of righteousness cuts to the quick. And we're going to deal with that some today. And um, I want to share with you a little discourse on righteousness and faith. On Wednesday night, as we began in the, the book of Romans, which happens to be apropos while we're still in the journey of, of righteousness. We've been on this now about six or seven weeks. And for those who are watching for the first time or are here, and, and by the way, let's say hi to our friends that are online with us. Our online church is, is, is pretty large and, and it continues on for a week or two weeks because programs go out through different networks, and we're blessed for that. So, on Wednesday night, as we just began in the Romans, and the whole theme of Romans can be summed up in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 17, right? The just shall live by faith. And it comes out of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. And uh, it's all about righteousness. Just and justice are synonyms, and they build from that word righteous and righteousness. So, the righteous shall live by faith. And as I was dealing with this assignment, and this is an assignment, it's an assignment of God, and it's an assignment of Robert Whitaker from Whitaker Publishing. And I shared with some of you how I had prophesied to him eight years ago that God wanted to give him the trust of the E.W. Kenyon Library. There's 23 books and some other writings. And E.W. Kenyon didn't have any survivors, so... He had uh, put it in his will for his secretary to receive all the copyrights 
to his library of books, and she and her husband have been the uh, purveyors of this for a long time, and basically they like to golf, so they'd golf out in Los Angeles, out in California, and they'd fulfill uh, orders on the books, which have never quit. And E.W. Kenyon is, some of you know and some of you don't know, is pretty much the father in modern-day contemporary faith of many things. The whole faith movement came out of E.W. Kenyon, whether you understand that or not. The new creation came out of E.W. Kenyon. The Superman and the supernatural came out of E.W. Kenyon. He wrote about all those things, and he has several books, and so Whitaker got the books, and I forgot the other part of what I told him uh, somewhat selfishly eight years ago. I was sort of covering my own bases a little bit in the prophetic word, and I said, Bob, when you get this, if you can find somebody else who knows all the volumes and words of E.W. Kenyon better than me, then have them edited. Otherwise, you owe it to me. And uh, he called me up. He says, I owe it to you about four or five months ago because he got the whole library. And he said, we're releasing the books, re-releasing them. And the first one we're going to release is the two kinds of righteousness. And I said, wow, I've just started on righteousness. He said, will you edit it? I said, yes, I will edit it. And not only will I edit to it, I'll do some exegesis and, uh, in different areas of the book. So I've been doing that, and you've been doing that with me. And so we're almost finished. We're getting through some, some of the good parts of it, and I'm not going to summarize everything we've done on the righteousness. But one of the foundational scriptures comes out of Matthew 6, 33, right? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I will add all these things, quote parentheses, back to 631 and 32 that you worry about, that you need for clothing, for food, um, to eat. All of these needs that you have, he says, I will add to them. So it doesn't mean we don't work. It doesn't mean we just seek the kingdom and you say, ba ba ba, I'm just seeking the kingdom and I'm righteousness, so God's going to give me everything. He said, I will add to them. So that means that what you put your hands to, God's going to add to it. He multiplies because he believes and we believe that the steps of the righteous person are per perfectly ordered. So if we're already walking in the path that God wants us to go, and that's the word of God, then he's going to multiply and add to it. So as I was dealing with this, I was really caught up, and I don't know why, but I was caught up for about the last three weeks about righteousness and faith. And um, some of the teaching that I was receiving and giving about righteousness, almost, it didn't disqualify faith, but it reduced the requirement for faith to much less, I thought, because righteousness provides abundance of everything that God has already. If you already are like God, and it's the righteousness of God, right? Remember two weeks ago, I said, God got it right. And the way he got it right was that he made us his righteousness so he couldn't get it wrong. God got it right. You can't be made wrong because it says you, he was made sin, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 22. He was made sin who knew no sin. He had never sinned. Jesus Christ was made sin that you, me, we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So you've been made something. You've been made that thing, which is the absolute divine nature of God himself, so that we could have what? Fellowship with God. It's all about fellowship. And if you've been made the righteousness of God, and you've partaken of the divine nature, as Peter said, 
then that means that everything that God has, we're heirs, we're priests, we're kings. We'll go through all of that. You have it all already. So you've heard me say and teach many times that declaration is the highest form of prayer. We can beg, we can fast, we can weep, we can yell, we can cry out to God, we can write it on little notes and stick it in the wall in Jerusalem, we can come up to the altar and we can have prayers of agreements, but the highest form of prayer and intercession to God is declaration. Because at that level, you're, you have absolute faith in the righteousness of God and your righteousness before God that ask what you will in his name and he's going to give it to you. So I was in this dilemma and my dilemma was, Lord, I don't want to preach a different gospel. God forbid I would never do that. But I'm sensing that we're not getting as the body of Christ this commingling of faith and righteousness right. Would you help me? Well, Lord always answers prayer, especially when you're seeking his word. Did, it, did we lose? What's on the keyboard? Oh, the scepters make a noise. It's a bonker. It looks prettier with you anyway. No, it's all right. Don't put it on the floor. It's all right. It's good. The bonker. It's making noise. Oh, okay. It was playing. The scepter was playing. Something's making noise. Boy, you guys have. Let's just turn this stuff off right up here. How's that? There you go. All right, are we good now? All right, you know, those might have been angels playing. So you all have to answer for that. Because we, you know, we play worship in here, how many of you know, 24-7? You come into the sanctuary, there's worship music playing. And when we turn that music off, the angels get mad. They like that worship music in this house. We invite them to stay in this place. And then people walk in and they go, ooh, I feel the presence of the Lord. They might have been playing. They, maybe they weren't done worshiping, and we were. I don't know. Forgive me, but pay attention, will you please? So, having said that, where was I at? Help me out. Who was paying attention? Say what? Righteousness and faith. My dilemma. So I was having a dilemma, and um, the Lord answered it. And I said, Lord, I, I need to understand this clearly I know you're provoking me, but I don't know what you're provoking me to, and I'm not going to let go of it. And I can't rest with something when new revelation's falling until I get it. And so what happened, it doesn't happen often in my life, but it happens, was that uh, how many of you know that I'm a third watch guy, right? Remember, we, we went through the watches, and, um, and we'll start that again. And we had a long, long teaching and practice on all the watches of the day. I'm a third watch guy. That watch is from midnight till three o'clock in the morning. No matter what I do, no matter what time I lay down, between that period of time, the Holy Spirit wakes me up and either downloads something, has me pray something, has me get in the, the middle of something, and then literally again in the fourth watch somewhere, uh, there's, there's a continuation, usually 4.35 in the morning. Well, in the third watch, which isn't unexpected in my walk with God, um, I received, I was, it was two o'clock in the morning and I felt a stirring. It was literally as if my bed was shook. And of course I blamed it on my wife. I thought she was ate too much pizza that night or something. I didn't know what happened. So I said, stop moving. I turned over and looked and she, she's out. So I said, well, it's not her. So I got up 
And I, I walked around for a few minutes and got real holy, and I said, Lord, if that was you, here I am. Nothing. So I said, well, we're not talking. I'm going back to sleep. So I laid back in my bed, and I went into one of those semi-conscious, half here, half not here. In the dream world, not in the dream world. My mind perfectly racing through, and I was reviewing righteousness. Well, all of a sudden, I found myself in a communication. I was in a, in a confrontation with a man. And I knew that we weren't there in my bedroom. I knew we were somewhere else. And he was very distinguished looking, very polished, um, younger than I was, and wearing a professional suit. His mastery of the language and scriptures was beyond reason. I knew immediately I was in the presence of somebody that had great wisdom. And he began to throw stuff out about righteousness, so I countered. We went back and forth for a while. I didn't know how long at the moment. And uh, it was very good because we were affirming many things that I had already been building upon the foundation of, about the righteousness of God and the teaching and the editing and everything else. I was feeling pretty good about it in the instance and then he dropped a gem on me, and it came out of nowhere. And what he said was, he said to me, listen, he went beyond my present understanding. That's why in my teaching, in this ministry, in this church, that we build upon this precept of teaching and ministry, and that is building upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. You see, the book, that we don't rewrite the book. But revelation hasn't stopped. And it's revelation in the living word. That's why we have what? We have logos. We have rhema. Rhema's bringing us the revelation of the living word. It's for your present day. It's for your past. It's for your future. It's embellishing everything that's been done. That's why we've had great theologians, great writers, great moves of God that build upon things in the past but went further. Thank God we weren't stuck in the third century church, right? Wasn't too good. Thank God we weren't stuck in the Protestant movement. It was good because it broke the chains of the Catholic Church that had more things about culture and tradition than it did about the Word of God. It gave a hunger and a thirst. And then people began to get into the Word of God, and as they got into the Word of God, it continues to build. It hasn't quit. Building on the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. So I more or less was, was welcoming fresh revelation. And as we continued on in this dialogue, I began to refer to him as teacher, not rabbi, teacher. And I kept saying teacher. Uh, and as we went back and forth, and, and it was very cordial and very good and very respectful. There was a lot of respect going back and forth between us, both of us handling the word of God very delicately and carefully. And I said, teacher, how do I rationalize righteousness and faith? And he dropped this gem upon me, and he stretched my knowledge. So I had received the confirmation of the revelation of righteousness. And what he said to me in that process, he said, listen, you're absolutely correct in what you're saying, that this is paramount at this critical hour to minister to the body of Christ as we prepare the way for the coming of our Lord. I perceive that the body of Christ has gone wayward and that the, the ministry and the message of the righteousness of Christ has lost its way in us. 
Now remember, we're to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And the bride is supposed to be getting washed clean without spot or wrinkle. Well, righteousness is what? It's absolutely clean before God, the righteousness of God. The scepter of righteousness is what the Lord promised us in these days, both through Isaiah and through Christ himself and in the words of the Pauline epistles. So the scepter of righteousness is what we were seeking. But as we prepare, he also said to me that this revelation the church is not keen on. He said, yes, it's built on many things. We have people that have done a, a superlative job in teaching us about grace, about the love of Christ, about the blood of Christ, about faith, faith, faith. We've had a lot of it. About wisdom. You can turn on some TVs in the middle of the night and there's one guy who talks about wisdom for hours and hours while he keeps asking you for money. Hours and hours and hours and hours. Wisdom, wisdom about this. Wisdom about that. Wisdom about this. We get all of that. We've got the supernatural, right? It's all about the supernatural. We've got many messages. But who's out there talking about the righteousness of God? Who's out there? Really think about it. Who is really, really out there that hasn't realized that this is foundational? And so what I received from the teacher was what I was pressing on to was that the righteousness of God needs to be a foundational platform to build the believer's spiritual character. To do what? To overcome. We just know that there was a movie released, a Christian movie, and it's doing well. And they said it's doing very well at the theater. Some of you might have gone to see it. It's called Overcomer, and it's all about overcoming. It's not done in the... We did a whole series on overcoming, that if you're alive today, God has called you to be an overcomer. It's gross darkness is covering the earth, but arise shine for the glory of the Lord is upon you. So we know that we have to overcome gross darkness in the earth. How many of you know that? How many of you expected... If, how many of you have been, let's use the word saved, how many of you have been saved more than 30 years? Okay, it's a lot of you. How many have been saved more than 20? How many more than 10? How many? Five. few of you and online. Okay, so we see that if you've been saved for any period of time, it's more difficult in the world today than it was when you got saved. Do we all agree? Does somebody think that the, the world's in a better place than it was when you got saved? Do you, do you believe that, you know, knowledge is multiplying very fast and because it is, humanism is multiplying more and that there are even those who call them believers that use practical atheism because they believe more in humanism and naturalism in their own mind than they do in the faith of things that God can do? I call that practical atheism. Believers that practice practical atheism. They refuse to accept that God's going to do it, so they want to do it themselves. And their whole, I, don't, I don't mean to insult anybody, but that's the same quality of an atheist. God can't do it. God's incapable. I'm going to do it. You may not say it. We may not say it. But if we get in the way and don't believe it, then we're practicing practical atheism. And so much of the church today is stuck in that quandary. And as we go forward, I, what I release, received was this. He told me that the intimate knowledge and acceptance of righteousness is the precursor of having great faith. I stopped for a moment and I said, okay, um, faith cometh by hearing the word, and that's the word of God. We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen. So I began to deal with the faith of the Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11, which we'll get into in a moment. 
And then I realized there's a tremendous difference between that faith that yielded righteousness in God and the faith that yields righteousness in Jesus Christ. That faith was about things that God would do. The faith in Jesus Christ is about what Jesus did. And not only what he did, but it downloads, imparts, creates, makes us into the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Two kinds of righteousness. The righteousness that is a just and justice that is prior to the acceptance of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's a non-believer and the righteousness that's in Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. Now, how do we receive Jesus Christ? By faith. We receive him by faith. So in that instance, faith is the precursor, the forerunner of righteousness. But once you receive him, once you receive him, what is a new creation? What part of you is a new creation? I'm going to help you out a little bit. Everybody has three, three parts, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Is your body a new creation? Is your soul a new creation? Some of you didn't say yes or no. How many of you don't know? Be honest. All right. You all know. You're smarter than me. One of you is going like this. The other one's going like this. Somebody's going like this. Okay, I got you. The spirit is recreated. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak, right? The spirit is recreated. Now, when the spirit is recreated, what is the nature that recreates the spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? What happens when you make a confession of Jesus Christ? You confess your sins, you ask Him to forgive you. What happens? It goes through the blood. It goes through the blood. It goes through the blood. Everything is purged through the blood. That's the word in Ephesians. And nothing without the blood is purged. It goes through the blood. So you go through the blood. How many times you need to go through the blood to be saved? Not all of you put your hand up. If you believe that, put your finger up and say one. If you don't believe that, just put your hand up. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Listen, you only get saved once. You can backslide, and you can ask the Lord to bring you back. First John 1, 9 works. But you only go through the blood one time. And that's why you hear me teach, and I don't want to offend anybody's religion, but you hear me teach all the time. I don't plead the blood because I'm the righteousness of God. I don't need to go back and through the blood. I've already been brought through the blood. If I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, I either am or I'm not. And if I am, then the abundance of everything that God has, has. So what happens is we have faith unto righteousness. We go through the blood. We receive fellowship with God. We are made righteousness. He was made sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Once you are made righteous in God, can you be made any more righteous? Can your spirit be made more righteous? Or if it's, if it's God, if it's the righteousness of Christ in God, is Christ any less in you one day than he is another day? Will you have the same quality and intensity of righteousness in heaven that you have here? Your spirit? Yes, I'm answering the question for you. Yes, whoa. That means that you can really do all things through Christ. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world because it's Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard me teach and preach many times that the essence of God, 
that is downloaded into us is the glory of God. Can we put up John 17, verse 20, 21, please? I want to set this foundation, and then I'm going to go on to the rest of this. Then we're going to finish in about 15, 20 minutes because we had such good worship. All right. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Keep going. That they all may be one. Say it with me. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Next verse. And the glory. Say it again. And the glory. Say it again. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Can you be any less? Did Jesus say, I'm going to give them, you know, the toenail and not the eyelid? Did he say that I'm going to give them a part of us and not all of us? The glory of God is the essence of God. The glory of God is all we can understand that's the substance of the God stuff. It's his divine nature. Righteousness is an attribute of his divine nature, as is grace, as is love, as is everything are the attributes of God. It's all wrapped up in God omnipotent, and it's called, Jesus gave, it, gave us this key to it. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly it's abundance everything in god is abundance it can't be less and if god gives it he doesn't diminish himself just because god gives me something doesn't mean he can't give it to you but the world wants to pray this way right how many times do i pray for somebody and i say i want to pray for you and they say oh no no uh, don't waste the prayer on me because god's really busy but but my grandson needs something i say you're a fool and they look at me and I say, forgive me, but you're a fool. You're saying that God can only take care of one thing at a time. You don't believe in the same God, I believe. Yes, I do. I said, well, then why do you say such stupid things? God can do all things at the same time for all people always. He's an omnipotent God. Which God do you believe in? The God that you want to put in your box or the God that puts you in his box? Right? You know, I, I don't know why I keep delving with this, but I'm sensing that people in the house are fighting with natural things. Things didn't go or aren't going naturally for you the way you planned. And, and let go. I keep hearing it from God. Tell him to let go. I've got it. Well, if you have it, he can't have it. God isn't going to glorify yourself because you said, I did it myself. I did it my way. He's not going to do that. God wants to do it his way. You're not going to even know what his way is unless you let go of it. If you let go of it, then it's God. If you're holding on to it, is it God or is it you? You can get things done but you're going to work a lot harder and you're not going to get to the end result. And so I tell people all the time, here's my prayer for you, that you work half as hard and receive twice as much as you let God go. And then when you're done with that, let's cut it in half again, that you work another half as hard or that half as hard and you get double what God has done for you. You realize that when you're letting God go, things happen because you've been made the righteousness of God, because Jesus prayed, Father, I want them to be one with us. Where? here on earth. We say that prayer all the time. Religious people say that prayer all the time, right? How many, how many times have you been in a service somewhere, our Father who art in heaven? It's the only prayer they say. They don't have any other prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as in heaven. And that's it. They're done praying, but they don't know what they prayed. They don't expect a result from it, but hey, it was a nice religious experience. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. You're the only one, right? Thy kingdom come here on earth. His kingdom came here on earth in your born-again experience. You are the kingdom here on earth. He's not here on earth unless you're righteous because his kingdom's righteous. His kingdom can't come here and be unrighteous. It's either righteous or it's not righteous. Now, if it's righteous, forgive me, but you don't need to keep washing yourself in the blood and painting everything else that's moving in the blood. A house doesn't go through the blood. A person, a soul, a spirit goes through the blood. An animal doesn't go through the blood. A human being goes through the blood in faith. I'm sorry, your car doesn't go through the blood. You go through the blood. Why am I saying that to you? Because God will meet you at whatever level you're at. You've heard me say many times, I believe that people that go to worship in France and see the tears of the statue, I believe some of them have miracles. I mean, they've documented it. It's okay. I'm all right with that. God meets people at the level of the faith they're at. But if you stay at the level of the faith you're at, you will not have mountain-moving faith. You'll only have the level of your at-moving faith. If you want mountain-moving faith, you have to know who you are. You have to declare and walk with who you are and act like who you are. You're the righteousness of God. If you're the righteousness of God, then what? He's made us priests and kings. How many times have you heard me preach? What does a priest do? The priest represents the people or themselves to God. What's the king do? Takes dominion with authority. You have dominion, you have authority. A lot of people want to operate as a priest and keep sprinkling blood, but they don't operate as the king and have authority. God will meet you, but I prefer to be the priest and the king. I'd rather have dominion. Every, feet, every place these feet step, I've got authority. Nobody, nobody, I believe with all my heart, Nobody can deter me from the things that God has called me to do but me, myself. Nothing else can get in my way but me, myself. I'm my greatest foe. I'm my greatest challenge. I'm my greatest issue to overcome. It's me. It's not God. God's already destined it. It's certainly not the devil. That imp, I don't give him one iota. You've heard me say many times, when I write his name, it's, it's little s, never a capital S, little s. I don't deal and say, oh, I need to rebuke the devil. He's already been rebuked. I tell him, get out. We don't sit there and negotiate. We don't talk. I don't paint him with the blood. I said, get out of here. He's not going through the blood. He's not allowed through the blood. You go through the blood. The blood wasn't wasted for him. The blood was given for us. Once you're the righteousness of God, you're the righteousness of God. And the Lord's telling me as I met with this teacher, he's saying, he said, son, don't back off. Some people don't like this message. They get mad at me. Well, guess what? I don't have a choice but I really don't care because I want God's people to get stronger and stronger and stand stronger. And just because we've been told things doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right. I, you know, I had one man who questioned me pretty hard and I said, brother, I'm sorry, but you show me one place in the Bible where it even uses a cinnamon for the word plead the blood and I will change what I've preached. He come back. He said, I couldn't find one. I said, it ain't in there. I said, it came out of the, the movement, the Azusa Street movement. And it sounded good and it worked because God was moving in the Azusa Street, so we've held on to it. But God wants to take us to a higher level, to another place. He wants you to know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And you can do all things through Him who strengthens you. Nothing is impossible. Ask what you shall in my name and you shall receive it. You see, we want to work at it. So what we've done, and this is the revelation he's given me, we want to keep working at faith just like Abraham did, just like Moses did, just like 
Noah did. Well, it said Abraham did it, and, and because of it, God accounted to him as righteous. He, he made the thing he was doing righteous, but not him. And it tells us in Hebrews that they never saw the promise. But you've seen the promise. You are the promise. Jesus is in you. So you have a greater thing. Don't, you don't want to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Moses. Those are great people of God. But you're, with all due respect, spiritually greater here on earth. You have more power. You are heirs and kings. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus isn't just a covering. It was a covering. Trust me, I know. There's one thing I know is about the covering of the blood. I can venture to say I haven't found too many, and I know they're practicing, but I've never found any that perform sacrifices on a, for, on a farm in Hubbard trying to find God. And let me tell you, that covering didn't work. It didn't work. I darn near died doing it. I wanted to die doing it. I just wanted to know God. I wanted the experience with God. I couldn't take it anymore. The sin consciousness had overwhelmed me. And I couldn't find one person, one rabbi, one person that could tell me, how do we find our way back to God with no temple, no sacrifices? Where's the covering? There was none. And then I learned about the Messiah. And I learned that it was by His blood that I'm covered. And that He spiritually cleansed me. There's a difference between cleansing and covering. Covering is temporal. Covering is the same thing as the righteousness that God gives to somebody temporarily. How long did it last coming out of a sacrifice? Not too long. It lasted as long as the first fight between a husband and a wife, the first rebellion by a child, the first time somebody gossiped or cursed or sweared, the first time there was sin. How long can a human being last not cleansed by the blood without sinning? A minute? An hour? A day? I don't know about you, but I practice a lot of 1 John 1, 9 in my life. I practice it in the morning when I wake up just in case something was wrong. And I practice it during the day every time I have to capture something that I know is right. When my attitude is wrong. When my eyes want to stray. When I hear the wrong things in my ears. When my spirit begins to get decompressed, I need to practice it and say, Lord, Lord, your righteousness I'll restore your righteousness, renew my mind. So what we're battling isn't the fact that are we righteous or not, it's our mind. Because your mind was not recreated. Your body wasn't recreated. Your mind must be controlled and submitted to your spirit. Your spirit controlled and submitted to Jesus Christ. He is your righteousness. And when we get that, then we understand that we don't have to work so hard. You see, the one thing about the faith message that runs short of being made the righteousness of God is that it keeps us working. Man, you got to have more faith. So let me go to a man or woman of God that has great faith, and if I'm around them, then something's going to happen. But if I'm not around them, and where are they at? Boy, it happened for me one time, so where are you at the next time? I'm going to come where you are. And, and, and boy, you prayed for me and something happened, so would you pray for me again? And would you pray for me again? And would you pray for me? And I told you two, three times you're out with me. I ain't going to pray for you for the same thing over and over and over because I'm not your God. I declare it for you. doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that I believe we sit at the level of God where you declare it, you believe in agreement, now let it go. And I believe we heard from the voice of God this morning when he was saying, stop tilling the same seed. You put the seed in and then you, 
cover the ground prematurely and you plant another seed because that one didn't grow fast enough and you want another seed to grow and pretty soon all you got is mud in the hole. Because he's watering, but you've ruptured the seed. If you rupture the seed prematurely, it doesn't grow. It has its process. It grows very well all on its own in a creational way. God does it. And so we want to work at our righteousness, but that doesn't work. You can't work at righteousness and you can't work at faith. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. We've been taught that, you know, if you have the faith to believe, how do I get to the faith that believes? I got good news for you. You're already there. Hmm, are you? Do you receive that? Are you made the righteousness of God? Do you think that God needs faith for the things that he does or says? He says, I am that I am. God doesn't have to work himself into faith to believe it. He just says it. He's only admonished and he sits there in wonderment when we don't accept it. And so if you're the righteousness of God, you don't need to fight in faith. You need to stand firm in faith. You need to hold on. You need to declare in faith. You need to not let go, but realize that you already are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's why I tell people all the time, don't confess illness. It's okay to be honest and say, my feet hurt. Sometimes my feet hurt, but I don't confess my feet are always going to hurt. And it's okay if the doctor tells you you have something, only as long as you don't declare it as yours, because it's not yours. You may go to your grave with it, but it's still not yours. And it's not going to go into heaven with you. So I always say whenever it tries to come upon me by the enemy or a doctor or somebody else, I say, listen, you mean well, but it's not mine. I don't give it my name because I'm the righteousness of Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you were given a, a, a surname, a family name when you were born? Anybody here who didn't have a name? You have a name. Eventually, eventually you got a name, right? If not, we'll give you one today. I'll give you a name today before you leave it on the air. You have a name. Guess what one of your names in heaven is? Righteous. Righteous. God looks at you and he can have fellowship with you and you can have fellowship with him because you're righteous. Not righteous because it's accounted to you like it was faith unto Abraham, but righteous because Jesus Christ said, Father, I want them to be one even as we are one. Give them the glory that I had with you always. And then we become the righteousness of, of God in Christ. So you're the righteous of God in Christ. So as the teacher and I went back and forth, we got so far. And I'm going to close with this part of it. And if you want more of it, you're going to have to pay attention next week. And this is what happened. I got this gem. I was excited. I got up. When I got up, it was a little after three. So apparently this teacher and I were in a, in a dialogue for about an hour. It seemed like minutes to me, but it was about an hour. And I got up because it was a third watch. And I said, wow. So I was walking around praying about not to lose what had been imparted to me. And secondly, meditating upon it and analyzing it and receiving it from my spirit into my knowledge. I wanted it to become knowledge, fresh revelation. So, and then I was astonished. I said, wow, all this time, I kept thinking that it was faith that was going to continue my walk when it's righteousness is going to continue my walk. But I said, something's still missing. I don't have it right because I don't want to diminish faith. So Lord, what is it? I know that we receive righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, but you said we still need faith. Faith like a mustard seed. Speak to this mountain. 
Mountain-moving faith. I want mountain-moving faith. I want greater faith, but I don't want to have to work at the faith. And I don't want to teach people that they have to work at faith. I'd rather be able to teach them that they become the righteousness and uh, what happens then. And so then this happened. The Holy Spirit, I laid back down and I went back into that semi-consciousness. And that lasted me the rest until the dawn. And in that semi-consciousness, the Holy Spirit went through everything with me again. And we processed it together, and he taught me, and he retaught me, and he retaught me the same things. I spent those next several hours, three, four hours, going over the same thing of God until the dawn came up. And we got back to that gem that he had left me with, and I was pondering it. And while I was pondering it, this happened to me. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly. He said, righteousness delineates faith. Righteousness delineates faith. But it wasn't like I got up and ran to, you know, do a synopsis and figure that out. He just kept emblazoning it into me. Righteousness delineates faith. And I don't know how long this went on, but it was just over and over and over. Righteousness delineates faith. Righteousness delineates faith. So then, as I awaken in the morning, and I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, I want to get to it, I just went to the Webster's Dictionary to make sure I clearly understood what he was saying to me about delineate. Well, righteousness, uh, a delineation is something that's described, presented, outlined, depicted, portrayed, represented, characterized. And one of the examples is, is if you draw the line of something around it. It would be like you take the state of Ohio, or let's just say that wonderful metropolis of Hubbard, and you draw a little line around it, and you stick it in the map, You've defined it. It's become a delineation within the process. He said to me, righteousness delineates faith. All right. So faith unto righteousness, but then righteousness unto faith. And then I said, now I got it. When we're the righteousness of God, we don't need to work at the faith. It, the righteousness produces the fruit of faith. We need to use it. We need to use it. Do you get the difference? between working at faith? How many of you really say you don't work at faith? Hmm. I have to confess that I'm learning not to work at faith more. I want to just walk in the righteousness of God with faith, the purity of God, that revelation, that supernatural revelation of God, that righteousness delineates faith. Well, we need to find some stuff that we have it. So let's put back up here, uh, Romans 1.17, please. And we're getting back to the whole theme of the book of Romans and what I'm talking about. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from... What? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Can you be made any more righteousness? No. So what's it mean? Manifested. The righteousness of God manifests for you from faith to faith. We think we have to grow from a faith to faith, and you can, and it's good to grow from a faith to faith. But he's talking about the incidence of faith released in your life. Righteousness produces faith to faith, and then the righteous shall live by faith. It doesn't say the faith shall live by the righteousness. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteousness brings life to your faith. That's what it says. The righteousness brings life to your 
faith. Well, I'm gonna, I don't know about you, but my faith just got this big. It might have been this big. It just it became overwhelming because how righteous am I? I'm the righteousness of God. How righteous, how righteousness is God? God is all righteousness. God is all good. God is all holy. God is all everything. God is all omnipotent, omniscient. He's ever present. He's the all in all. There's nothing like him. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Sid Canoe of righteousness. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's all of it. And it says to me here that the righteousness shall live by faith in all of that, which means I don't have to work at it. I have to activate it, apply it, and receive it. Isn't that better? Aren't you tired of working at faith? Faith wears you down. Faith makes you tired. Oh, okay. I'm going to just back right back up and put my head. I'm going right through this brick wall one more time, and it hurts the same way it hurt the first time. But how about if you just stand back and say, be gone, mountain-moving faith. Be gone in Jesus' name. And the devil sits there and says, I'm not leaving. Say, yeah, you think you're not leaving. You're out of here. And you turn your back on him and you call him a wimp. You turn your back on the problem, you call it a wimp. You think it's a big problem that's going to change your life? No, it's an opportunity that's going to transform your mind. I'm going to say it again. You think it's a big problem that's going to change your life? No, it's an opportunity that's going to transform your mind. We need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. It doesn't stop at faith. Faith is going to become more alive as you stand in the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, I want to share this with you, is the foundation of His throne. And that comes out of Psalms. I'm just going through so many of my notes so fast. You'll have to, to get Bob Whitaker's book if you want to read all of this. And maybe they'll offer it on TCT one day and you can help them out. Psalm chapter 89, verse 14. It's going to blow your mind. When you get the revelation of righteousness, all of a sudden this all comes to understanding. The whole kingdom of God is about righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all shall be added unto you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Think about that a moment. Does it say faith? You know, there's another thing we've been taught wrong. Faith isn't the currency of God. Honor is. Honor your father and mother. Hallowed be thy name. Honor is what everything's... Faith is the current of God. Faith is the current of God that's moving between you and I and Him from righteousness to righteousness, deep calling to deep, spirit calling to spirit. If faith is the currency of heaven, what is it telling you? You got to work. No, I don't want to work. I'm tired of working. I want to believe. Righteousness takes you beyond that step. I'm going to blow somebody else's theology. Sorry, but I don't try to make too many friends. It's all right. You don't need to go into the court of heaven to dispute with God and argue what God wants to do for you. You only need to do that if you don't know that you've already received it. I'm sorry. It's okay if you do it, and it might work for you. But even the man who wrote it said 20 years it took him to get an answer to his prayer. Guess what? I ain't waiting 20 years. You want to wait 20 years? You want to go adjudicate with God what Jesus already did for you? Or do you want to believe God that all things are possible right now? 
Do you want to believe God that it's said and done and amen in God Almighty? It might work for somebody and that's what they needed, but you know what? I don't need that. And I don't want to need that. I don't want to put another step between me and God. They did that in the Jewish faith with me. They did it in the Catholic high school with me. I did it to myself with philosophy. And religion keeps trying to do to us, giving us more works in faith to get to the place of God. You don't need to work in faith. You need to accept God has done it, that you've been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Get radical. How many of you came through the Jesus movement? You got radical. It was a radical time. Things were different. Get radical again. Get radical. Get beyond Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism worked, but we got to go further. Just like the Protestant movement worked, but we got to go further. The Jewish temple worked for a season for me, but I had to go further. We got to move on with God. And the highest level of relationship with God is understanding that we've been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. There's no higher level because that's where we are. And if you are, you don't need to dispute with the devil or adjudicate with anybody else or go to the throne room and adjudicate with God. He'll say, yeah, I'll do that if you want to do that, but why are you doing it? You already got it. You got it. So if it makes you feel better, do it. But for me and myself and I, I'm going to declare it. And you know what? Without even having that full revelation, it's been working for me for a while. The declarations of God have been working for me for a while, and it's worked for many of you with miracles of God. You know what a miracle is? It's operating in the righteousness of God. It took me a while to figure it out. Is it faith? Yeah. But I have to tell you, I don't sit there and draw upon more faith every time God has me declare a miracle. I already know that I know that I know that I know that I'm the righteousness of God, and when I say it and declare it, God's going to do it. I'm not operating in mountain-moving faith when I do that. I'm functioning in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in God. And I give Him all the glory. Because other than that, I'm taking some of the glory. Other than that, I'm doing some of the work. Other than that, by my works, God is going to bless me. No. I'm blessed to be able to serve God. And yes, God does reward us for the things that we do. And you can't outgive God. My God, you can't outgive God. I get excited when it's time to give God. You can't help but sow into God and the good people and the things of God that He doesn't get blessed. Whether it's your time, your ministry, your works. And to have a life where God allows you to commit your life in service to Him, there's no greater opportunity in life, no greater passion, no greater peace. I confess all of that. But I have to tell you, the moment I begin to believe that what is accomplished is because of my works, I steal his glory. God forbid I don't want to steal his glory. First of all, I'm afraid of him. Real fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't ever want to stand before the Lord and have him run me upside and one down the other. And I sure don't want to be one of those goats that gets turned away because I began to do things in my own faith, not realizing it was all of God. So if I've offended anybody, get over it. Do I love you? I love you the same. Will you talk me out of my theology? No. No, you won't. You better show it to me in the Word of God, then I'll sit down and talk it over with you. We need to become very particular in these hard times with God. Quit doing things just because they've been done. Quit saying things because somebody said them. Put it to the acid test of the Word of God. If it doesn't stand up in their question, He'll show you. And then get fresh revelation to walk in the Lord today.
Walk in the Lord with the power. And the power of God is the righteousness of God that He's given you. It's His authority. It's His staff. The scepter of righteousness cuts to the quick. Cuts right to the quick. The Word of the living God cuts to the quick. We build upon the Word of God. And we understand that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Until the Lord shows us more, I believe the ultimate realm of faith for us right now is walking in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anything higher. I can't imagine anything higher. And my plead with you as I plead with myself, stop working so hard and getting weary about faith. Quit fighting with other people about faith. How about we just stop and let God go and let Him do it? Declare it. If it's according to... How many of you really believe that God wants to do all good for you? Right? Then don't confess bad. Don't confess bad. You find yourself thinking back about a few years back or, you know, right now the news media is shaking the society with, oh, we're going to have another recession. Here it comes, here it comes. Well, we just went through one. It was pretty bitter. It was tough. I've been through about three or four of them now. None of them have been good. But I'm still here. So I think about it and say, well, I'm still here. So why am I worried about it? Well, because I was watching this and this and they had this person on and that person on and they said this and, you know, Trump's a wild man and he is and this and that and that and this and this and that. And, 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 and pretty soon your mind gets like this. Well, I've got to sell this thing. I've got to get out. I've got to, hey! Calm down. He's the God that takes us through. Relax. Make good decisions, but relax. And you know what? God stretched you a little bit. Rest in the stretch. Huh? Rest in the stretch. If he's not stretching you, then that means you're not willing to be stretched because he always going to stretch us. Problem's not God, it's me. I know I'm the only person, the only idiot that can get in the way of what God wants to do is right here. And old man Frank's a nasty guy. Most of you know, where's he go before service? In that closet right over there. I open the door, I boot him in the butt, I lock him in there so you're not allowed out. The old man is still being crucified on the cross. The new creation man has gone through the blood and he's walking in the righteousness of God. You can go back on the cross and keep going back on the cross and you can keep doing the same thing over and over. And I love those songs at the cross, on the cross. I love the hymns, but we also need to realize it only took people so far to the revelation that they knew at the time that they knew. God's doing a new thing. Old things have, all things are. But, Pastor, I, I sort of like that thing. Something about a nice, fresh walleye that you get out of Lake Erie. You put it on the kitchen counter, you forget it at night. What does it smell like in the morning? It was fresh and nice and good, and if you'd have used it when you had it, but boy, in the morning, woo, get this thing out of my house. Last point. You've heard me coin it many times. We need to move beyond old, new wine. 
what was new wine in 1980 ain't new wine today. The Holy Spirit's the same. God's the same. But He's transforming and changing us from glory to glory. We're moving from faith to and we're receiving from strength. God's in the moving business. He's in the stretching business.